Welcome to this, the next edition of our daily devotions coming to you from Church of the Palms in Sarasota, Florida. Always good to have this chance to step away from our busy lives to reflect upon God's word and to wonder what God might be saying to us in these days. We hope you'll pass these on to those that you know and love. Let's now take a moment to prepare our hearts and minds by listening to some beautiful piano music. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to thee, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, we have two lessons from scripture today. The first comes to us from Acts chapter 7, verses 17 through 29. This is uh, a part of a sermon delivered by one of the first deacons in the church, man by the name of Stephen, for whom I am named. And um, it is a sermon that, as we'll learn in our perhaps next devotion, uh, that um, gets Stephen into some hot water and, um, 
and as a result is stoned to death. So with that in mind, let's hear the word of God. So in the midst of his sermon, Stephen says, But as the time drew near for the fulfillment of the promise that God had made to Abraham, our people in Egypt increased and multiplied until another king who had not known Joseph ruled over Egypt. He dealt craftily with our people and forced our ancestors to abandon their infants so that they would die. At this time, Moses was born and he was beautiful before God. And for three months, he was brought up in his father's house. And when he was abandoned, Pharaoh's daughter adopted him and brought him up as her own son. So Moses was instructed in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in his words and deeds. When he was 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his kinfolk, the Israelites. And when he saw one of them being wronged, he defended the oppressed man and avenged him by striking down the Egyptian. He supposed that his kinsfolk would understand that God through him was rescuing them, but they did not understand. And the next day he came to some of them as they were quarreling and tried to reconcile them, saying, Men, you are brothers. Why do you wrong each other? The man who was wronging his neighbor pushed Moses aside, saying, Who made you a ruler and judge over us? Do you want to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? And when he heard this, Moses fled and became a resident alien in the land of Midian. And there he became the father of two sons. Our second lesson is from the Gospel according to Matthew, the 16th chapter, verses 13 through 23. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Well, some say John the Baptist, but others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he sternly ordered the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord, this must never happen to you. He turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O oh Lord, open our minds and our hearts to what this word says to us, that we may understand even more what it means for us to live in this world filled with trouble, for we ask it in Christ's name, amen. My grandson turns one today, August the 12th. I find that hard to believe, but it's true. He turns one, his sister just turned three. It's really been party time in our family. 
To the best of our ability, we've been doing what we can to assure them, of course, how happy we are that they are in the world. It's a great deal of what parenting and grandparenting is about, I suppose, assuring those who have been given to us that it's the most wonderful thing that God has done to place them into the world and into our lives. I love that story that Richard Foster tells about a friend of his who was shopping with his little two-year-old son at the mall, and the little boy was not in a very good mood, was kind of really being cantankerous, just was not a good day for him, pouting, throwing tantrums, screaming when he did not get what he wanted. Everything the father tried to do wouldn't work. The kid was just in the business of making everybody's life miserable. And finally, as a last resort, before he seriously considered leaving the child behind at the mall, the father picked up the little boy, held him tightly to his chest, and began to sing. He began singing a song that he sort of just made up along the way. I love you. I'm so glad that you're my son. I think, I think you are very special. The boy continued to fuss and scream. I like how you laugh. I like how you have those beautiful blue eyes. You are the most wonderful boy in the world. And on and on the father would go, holding the boy closely to his chest, and he just kept singing and singing this song, and the boy grew quieter and quieter, and when they finally got to the car and the father buckled his son into the car seat, the little boy said, sing it to me again, Daddy. Sing your song to me again. I think as parents and grandparents, a big part of our job is to keep singing that song to our children and grandchildren because there will come a time in their lives, and as there has come a time in all of our lives, when the world around us is not as convinced as our parents and grandparents that we have much value in the world. If there's anything I can imagine teaching my grandchildren and it, <clears throat> when they are old enough is to understand and retain the reality that the universe does not always conspire in our favor. Sometimes the wind blows against us. Sometimes people do not see things the way that we want them to be seen. In fact, if you turn out to be a person of principle and faith and conviction, you often find yourself in positions where the world pushes back. In our lessons today, we hear of such moments. Stephen, one of the early leaders of the church, feels called to preach to the assembled crowd, the somewhat oppositional crowd, and he tells the story of Moses, whose very entry into the world was a struggle, born in Egypt at a time when the law was that all Hebrew baby boys were to be killed at birth. Moses, through the grace of midwives, survived his birth, but it was a little later that he was given up to the waters of the Nile and ended up in the care of a new family, the family of Pharaoh. And from there, Moses lived a life of constant pushback, a stranger to his own people, a refugee to the wilderness, an enemy of Pharaoh as he sought to bring freedom to his people. Oh, the list just goes on and on for poor old Moses. All of this being recounted by Stephen in a sermon, the conclusion of which would have him stone, be stoned by the angry mob. No, people are not always happy that you're in the world. It's what Jesus points to, I think, when he tells the disciples that he will soon go to Jerusalem and get the big pushback by the powers that be. And Peter forbids him to go, and Jesus quite directly tells Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. This is not what life is about. When you are a person of principle, when you are a person of conviction, you have to be prepared that the world will not sing you a song. But nonetheless, doing what is right is worth it. 
one of the great American voices was that of a slave who had been held in bondage for 20 years. Frederick Douglass jumped a train to freedom and the good Lord took his years of slavery, his wounds of bondage, and transformed him into one of the great abolitionists and writers and orators of his time. At one point, Douglass wrote, if there is no struggle, there is no progress. Those who profess to favor freedom and yet depreciate agitation are men who want crops without plowing up the ground. They want rain without thunder and lightning. They want the ocean without the awful roar of its many waters. This struggle, Douglas continues, may be a moral one, or it may be a physical one, or it may be both, but it must be a struggle. We really don't want our children and grandchildren to struggle. We want to just sing them a song and have everything go their way. But with principle and conviction comes the struggle. And with struggle comes a better world. Something I look forward to teaching my grandchildren someday. Let us pray. O oh Lord, we know your song for us is love and acceptance and joy. Help us to hear that song, especially when the world goes silent and the pushback grows strong as we seek to live as people of conviction. For this is how we grow and this is how the world gets better. Amen.